definitely Apple Third Holy Cow. We go hardware today, this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did they announce today? I'm surprised they didn't announce anything today. The iMacs were today, weren't they? No, it was two days ago. Oh. Uh, AirPods, maybe? Yeah, today, today, was it today AirPods? AirPods? Yes, right, today I was think, AirPods. I think so. I don't know. There's been, there's been so tomorrow's, many. <laughs> tomorrow's going to be the AirPower, right? Uh, hopefully. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 239 of the Morning Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California, home of WWDC 2019. Hello. Alrighty. So, um, yeah, so I guess we'll we'll just start off with some Ask MTJC. Let's, uh, what do you think, Jaime? Sure. The first one we have up here is from Paul Wilkinson, who asks, or says, this is the first year I have filled in the WWDC lottery. I noticed it asks for gender and ethnicity. I wonder if they're using the information to influence the lottery to try and increase diversity. Really good question. Who knows? It, it could just be, you know, benign for statistical tracking to say, all right, you know, we ran it randomly. How does it look? Yeah, um, I don't know. I also, my reply to him was was that I think that it's probably based on, probably a way of getting information gathering to sort of get some, you know, dynamics about the, the or metrics about the, the audience that's applying, I guess, anyway, right? So, um, but uh, first of all, I, I entered the lottery. Mark hasn't entered the lottery. What about you, Jaime? Have you decided to, you're not going to go after all? Yeah, I, d- I decided not to enter. And of, as of this recording time, it is mm-hmm. 7.37. Oh, that's a weird omen. 7.37 p.m. <laughs> Pacific time on Wednesday the 20th. And it is two hours and 37 minutes too late to undo that decision. Right. What, what do you mean by bad omen? I don't get it. Oh, there's, you know, the 7.37 max has been in the news oh, okay. constantly, constantly here. I have no idea. Oh, wait, that's it's eight seconds a, after 7.37. Yeah. Oh, look, it's still 7.38, <laughs> which is what we would have called it. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. so it, it's been in the news a little bit here as well, but I suspect it's much more in the news up where you are, uh, Jaime, than yeah, it just, every, every day, every day, because it's a, mm-hmm. a local large company here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we talked about on Spotcast. Was it Spotcast or, or no, we talked about it on MTJC in the, in the after show, right? Which show All of these on? podcasts blurred together. Too so, many yeah. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know about the lottery stuff. I mean, you, we, we could look at it as like, well, you know, it's, it's statistical tracking. It could be a, um, uh, a way for them to alter some of the weighting so that they can, you know, try to get better diversity. I, I really well, don't know. Also facilitation because they were, they were asking in, in the thing, I remember they were asking about childcare as well, like whether you'd required childcare. And I think, wasn't there something about dietary requirements or I forget, we should probably, well, we probably can't go back and look at it because it's too late, right? Yeah. Um, do they not send you like a... You know, here's a recording or a copy, I should say, of your your responses. Yeah, well, no, but but I did get a I did get a um a confirmation of my entry, right? And yeah, I guess it's too late for me to pull the plug on on my end too, right? So because eight p.m. our time, as you said, it's already two hours and thirty nine minutes past. So um, but yeah, to answer Paul's question, I I think it it's probably for for statistical collecting, but you know, I saw your uh, your reply to one of the tweets about you think the lottery is random. I I, I still don't think the lottery is completely 
completely random. Really? Okay. Yeah, no, no. I I think there is a random component, but I think a large percentage of the tickets are not random. And you can, the reason I think that is just look around when you're there. Yeah. And, and it, it it just, there's, there's too many people from, um, you know, different, different places. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, diversity is a great thing, but it's, it's, it's more diverse than random would, 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 would be, I think. You think I don't know. I mean, when I when I was going to before the sort of lottery thing, when it was just people buying tickets. Yeah. I mean, um, I I remember the first one with the lottery where there was actually a lineup at the women's bathroom. I mean, like the year that Tammy was there, there was probably six women or whatever. It wasn't that very, very many? Like you know. Yep. I mean, there, I'm was, not saying there were a lot of them, but <laughs> yeah. But there, but you know, there were there were certainly women there. Well, also the if you if you listen if you go back through the talks and you look at the when Tim Cook talks about the mix of new users versus repeat users. Yep. In those early days, in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, there were, it was like, you know, 25% or 20% of the people were new, right? Because right? it was all the diehards who were, you know, getting up at the appropriate time or knowing that they had to buy the ticket right away kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it went to the lottery, that's when all of a sudden those kind of numbers changed. I mean, admittedly, there are some there are some suspicious looking, you know, people who seem to go every year, yep. right? Yep, it's true. But, I mean, but, but don't forget, I mean, like admittedly there are 5,000 tickets but I'm sure there's probably and we've talked about this before there's probably I don't know 1,500 that are that are sort of VIP tickets yeah, you know I agree that I agree. they kind of hold back and yep. and you know and I've heard of companies saying that that there are ways of getting tickets and I like I, I talked to John Galancy a couple of years ago the head of Apple Evangelist and I asked him I sort of said so what do we do to get a ticket and he says well you know and this is before this is probably 20 would have been 2015 maybe and he said that uh he said that, you know, if you contact Apple within a month or two, or a month of, of the show, a lot of people do cancel, right? So mm. for whatever reasons, you know, they can't go, they can't afford it, they can't get their visa, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of reasons why why their tickets would become available. But I, so I do think while there is, you know, well, we're going to talk about Phil Schiller a little bit later, but he was talking on the, the um, uh, Accidental Tech podcast this week was about, about WDBC. He was saying that, you know, there are 5,000 or so tickets, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't quite nail it down. And there's a thousand engineers from Apple and so on and so forth, right? So I don't know. I, I think there still has to be some randomness to it, but yeah, oh, you know, there's got to be. Not, there's got to be. I'm some not saying there. it's not. I'm not saying there's not a random component. For sure, there is. But yeah. but you know, nowhere do they ever say that it's it's fully random, guaranteed, or yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. never say guaranteed all the randomness, tickets are randomly yeah. distributed in the lottery. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah, I don't know. Do they? Do not? Don't they? <laughs> I don't think they do. Yeah, well, it would. Be I mean, if you think, if you think, if, look, let, let's let's take the, take the bank I work for. I work. For, let's let's take them for example, right? So if it was, if there was, a, if the fix was in, right, for instance, right? Yep. We're like one of the top apps in Canada. We're, you know, featured all the time by, by, by Apple Canada. You know, we have, you know, millions and millions of daily users of our app, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a going concern as far as apps go, right? Mm-hmm. We were up until like a couple of weeks ago, the number one bank in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how come we're not guaranteed seats at WWDC, right? If, if, if you're, if the fix is in. Well, it, you know, it, it doesn't, I'm not saying that, that it's completely fixed. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Right. Um, but all I'm saying is that I, I believe that there is a component of it that is, that is not random. Uh, and, and like you said, there's maybe a thousand, who knows, 1500 or whatever that are not in the lottery that they can assign to various people that they choose to. And, sure, and, sure. you know, just, just because you've got a big selling app, you know, you may not be, hate to say it, but you may not be high on their, on their priority list. Cause you know, they didn't, you're not pulling the, 
you're not pulling the app if you don't get to go to WWDC, right? <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. No, I mean, we're, we're there to service our customers and enrich their lives, as Apple would like to say. Right. Well, I, I, I wasn't saying that. I mean, I, I do I do agree that, that, that the information they're asking for is probably just for tracking purposes. But right. my point was that I, I think while the, lo- the lottery part of it is probably completely random, I don't believe that all the tickets are no, no. are distributed through the lottery. Well, no, we know that there are some special guests. Like we've right. we've known people who've won ADAs before, whose entire not entire team, but at least two representatives were granted tickets to enter. And I'm sure I'm sure there are special relationships that that get tickets, you know, for whatever reasons. Yeah, right? there are. I, I believe that there are. Yeah, there are people or companies that beyond the you know ADA winners and things like that 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 uh, Apple would like to see represented at at uh, at the show. And yeah. oh, true, yeah, yeah. So so I think there's a certain percentage. I have no idea what the percentage would be, but but I think there is a percentage that is not part of the lottery and it's up to the, to the discretion of somebody at Apple who gets those tickets. Yeah, and for me, it's been you know five years of me entering. I've entered the lottery. All five, last time I was there was 2015, 2016. When was the last there? 2015, I guess, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I've entered every... No, 2014 was the last time I was there. And I've entered the lottery, what, five, this is my fifth year entering and I'm not holding my breath at all. Like, you know, if I, if I get in, I'll be, you know, so where we used to say delighted or what was it the apple terminology about surprised and delighted is what i'll be if i if i win yes it'll be surprise and delight but yeah i'm i'm def- i mean I, I did book a hotel room just in case you know even though i think it says in the when you i think when you get your entry they'll they'll send you a link to book a hotel i guess they're trying to discourage people from booking up all the hotels but i can tell you that all the rooms are pretty much booked up already so mm-hmm. you know by all the people speculating on whether whether or not they're going to get in so i wonder if it's not just that i wonder if it's people who have no intention of going are just booking rooms with the intention of of reselling them or subletting them or something like that. Oh, really? Wow. Is that hmm. legal? I don't even know. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not, but they probably do it anyway. Yeah, you know, you, you never underestimate people, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wonder if that's actually a thing. But yeah, it's 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 surprising. I wonder how many cancellations are going to be tomorrow. So it gets tomorrow at five is when they start trickling out the announcements, I think is what they said, right? Thursday at uh, the 21st. Did you guys hear that or read that? Or? No, I, I did not. So I'll I guess you guys don't care because you're not going to go anyway. <laughs> so so there's going to be no live MTJC at WWDC. That's all I got to say, you know, unless unless Jaime comes for Altcom for something. <laughs> an, an impromptu breakout from his own session from Mr. Gregory Archibald Heo as he goes rogue on the keynote stage. No, yeah. Starts exactly. talking about our, our wonderful show that he used to be on. Yeah. 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 Lamenting, lamenting his, his, uh, his guest chair being handed over to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure Joe Chaplinski will be there. We can, we can always rope him in, eh, Mark? <laughs> As a guest host. All righty. Speaking of joke of Shiplinski, Jaime. Yeah, he says uh, a note on the most recent episode regarding DuckDuckGo. Add a bang G, the end of your search terms, and it will auto bounce you to Google. Many other bangs are available as well. I think somebody said that you could do one for like Stack Overflow too. Yeah, I played around with this. It, there's a whole, if you click on the link, it's, we'll have a link in the show notes. There's uh, like you can hit bang A, and it's just kind of a shortcut in, w, in DuckDuckGo to take you right to Amazon or Wikipedia or so on and so forth, right? Um, yeah, and if you hit if you hit bang so i tried it earlier it does
does actually take you to Stack Overflow directly, right? So, but I, I'm kind of wondering. I guess does it mean put a bang at the end of your search term? It'll take you to Google's result of that, or, or is he just saying that's a shortcut to get to Google? It says add a bang G to the end of your search terms. So it sounds like yeah. So maybe maybe it does its own search and then and then uh, well auto bounces you to Google. On it. So yeah, it's not clear. We'll have to try it, but it's not clear whether whether it means that it, it will do its own search as well as a Google search or just send you to Google and do this. Well, here let me try it right now because I've got my DuckDuckGo set up on my Mac here. Here let let uh, let me. Google that for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it went to Google. I, I typed in uh, new iMac and I hit uh, bang G and it took me to Google's result of, of the search. Oh, cool. Yeah. Interesting, interesting shortcut. Cool. Well, that's, thanks for that, Joe. Another, we'll have a link in the show notes for people. A couple of links, I think, actually. Alrighty. So do you have some follow-up, Jaime? Yes, this is related to the uh, Apple, specifically Apple Watch and Stanford research study regarding um, the heart and uh, affibrillation. So some results came out that were shared here and it's impressive releases. Uh, this is one of the ones that uh, that I participated in because it was super easy. You just filled out a couple forms and installed an app on your phone and your Apple Watch and you just sort of let it do its thing and it was tracking data. Um, I did not have any um, anything come out of it, which is good, you know, uh, like in the medical world when you are negative from something, that is a very positive thing. And uh, apparently they, they did some, some studies here and compared to things and I think a challenge for this sort of thing is that um, AFib is like an intermittent thing quite often. So um, adding yeah. these sorts of things to the repertoire of devices that can just sort of be passively always looking for it seems like a pretty cool option. Um, so this is helping to prove out the efficacy of this sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting too. They even reported this in Canada and, and the, we don't have access to the, the EKG feature in the Apple Watch Series 4 just yet. Right. And, and I will point out, this did not include the Apple Watch Series 4 because this oh, study did? started prior to that device coming out. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's that's something that's also been a little confusing. You're right. Um, I do not have the Series 4, so I don't have the uh, ECG, EKG feature. And you're right. It's only, I think, still only available in the United States. I don't believe any other country has had access to it yet. So it's just looking for irregular rhythms, not uh, not a full EKG. Right. Yeah. And, and I do remember, uh, I saw a tweet, I think I mentioned it on the show before. I'm just trying to look up the app here. Don't have my phone with me right now, but um, there was an app that uh, Heart something or other that uh, I got for my um, my watch even before I had the Series Four uh, because a, a gentleman had said that he actually ended up in the hospital because of this. This app had given him a heads up that he was not uh, doing so great, mm. and that was with the original original watch. Original. Let's see if I can get. Promise this is probably just going to show me iPad. I'm looking at my iPad. No, it's probably just going to show me iPad stuff. I guess I could just go across the room and get my get my um, my phone to get through all the Peppa pig apps first mm-hmm. yeah let me go let me go grab my uh watch talk about yourselves i mean like my, my my iphone i mean mark did you participate in this study i can't remember who of us i, I didn't know i don't have an apple watch remember that's right that's right so was i tim did you participate in the study no I, how could was, i participate well i wasn't sure if it was us only or or what the exact yeah no i think i think it was us only we talked about it when you first signed up for it if i recall correctly yeah, it was like two years ago <laughs> It's a lot of episodes ago to remember. Well, I mean, they, they announced it in November. I don't remember when the study started. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if so you, app, long-time I, yeah. listeners, are listening to this show and you remember better than we do, 
Hit us up and hashtag SNPTJC and tell us which specific episode it was. Yeah. And bonus points for time codes. So there's an app I use called uh, HeartWatch, which gives you, and it sort of gives you a summary of, of uh, your performance wearing the watch over a number of days. Like, for instance, Monday, got some stuff marked on here. You know, it's got my, my sort of my average heart rate, my minimum heart rate, and my, my super busy heart rate, I guess. Um, and yeah, and if, and if there's anything irregular, this, this app will sort of give me a heads up, right? So I guess it's similar, similar kind of theory is to, and that's, that was using the previous watch. This worked, you know, it's, I'm sure it's much better with the four, but, but with my, my OG watch, right? It was able to uh, monitor my heart and report on, I guess, uh, you know, any, any, I guess it's like, I mean, it's kind of a known thing, I think, amongst doctors, not the weird doctors, but um, we just play them on podcasts, but they, um, they sort of have ranges for all these different things you measure, you know, your, your, your you know, the amount of um, uric acid in your blood or sugar or whatever, you know, they, they have these sort of ranges for what, what's a healthy, what is a healthy person, generally speaking, right? And so a, he- a healthy mm-hmm. heart rate would be based on, you know, not wild fluctuations, right? So, yeah, but that's cool. But yeah, they didn't, they didn't want, I meant, like I said earlier, they, they mentioned this uh, this uh, study and the fact that the Apple Watch can uh, catch irregular behavior in your in your heart as well. Cool. Anything else you want to say? No, I think it's just something cool. And I, I think it goes without saying that this is not intended to replace actual medical device technology. Um, it, it certainly can't be as good as dedicated hardware that's that's gone through all the extra certifications, has all sorts of extra uh, sensors and doodads. But I think it's a nice way to get more coverage, um, you know, casting a broader net and catching people who probably should be using medical devices to get more information who ordinarily would not because of the, again, mentioned um, irregular behavior of this sort of uh, condition. Sure, sure, cool. All right, uh, moving on. We have um, last week we talked about this on this podcast, and we almost talked about it. I think I mentioned it in, in last week's show, but we didn't talk about it actually on during the recording. And that was uh, Spotify's um, uh, questioning of Apple's uh, policies. In fact, I, I was listening on ATP earlier today that they actually Spotify had actually created a website um, talking about Apple's making a claim that Apple is unfair uh, to them or unfair to everybody, basically. And, and it, it all goes back around this thirty percent commission. That Apple takes off of everything, like whether it's an in, in app purchase or an outright purchase of the thing. And I guess Spotify, you know, they must have gazillion dollars going through their app, you know, in a day. Um, and having to give up 30% of that must hurt them quite a bit. You know, I mean, not hurt them per se, but it must add up to quite a quite a chunk of change, right? So Apple's, um, in my link in the show notes here is they've um, they've addressed the uh, the claim. Um, and uh, I think ATP I kind of described it best. They said they're just talking talking past each other they're not really answering each other's <laughs> each other's uh, claims but they're kind of talking about how they're, they're pr- giving their perspective on on uh, what they feel about the app right but i don't know if you guys said do you have a chance to read through this article at all yeah a little bit i mean apple's point is is basically that uh look you know you're getting all this free advertising and free distribution and and free access to customers uh so you know you if you don't want that you're free to leave <laughs> and which which is which is a, a reasonable stance to take i think and and you you know, with the, with the talking past each other, uh, you know, uh, none of these none of these articles or press releases are are meant to talk to the other party. They're really meant to talk to the public. So of course they're talking past each other. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone at Spotify expected that you know they put out a, a, a blog post and Apple's going to read that and call them up and say, oh, we're sorry. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that wasn't going to happen. Well, in traditional businesses, before this whole online thing took over, I mean, a large large customer could go like like Walmart as an example would could go to. They 
they normally go to their uh, their suppliers and ask them to you know either bring down the cost to to manufacture or bring down the cost to to uh, supply the good to Walmart because Walmart's bringing a captive audience with them or they're bringing a large audience right so there's economies of scale and they ask them to you know cut their pricing and cut their margins and stuff like that and you know because Apple has this hard and fast rule it's thirty percent whether you're selling one app a week or you're selling you know a million apps a week a day you know kind of thing right um, it's still thirty percent and that's you know at the end of the day Apple's got Apple's handling the transaction Apple's you know taking the risk on the the Visa cards and chasing those down and all that kind of stuff but right I so thought that actually that's not what Spotify was actually uh, complaining about it wasn't the thirty percent it was the fact that they weren't allowed to say in the app that you could get a cheaper price by going to Spotify oh directly to them yeah is that what it was I thought that's what well it's it's what yes yes and yes though like they they don't like both right I think they're like all right whatever you take it thirty percent but if you gave us the option of using our own web link like sure do you take it off of like people who don't have a great relationship with the payment processors sure you know random person selling one app a month okay cool but we've got millions of apps and millions of subscribers we sure would like to push them over to our link and save on that um and and spotify doesn't have either option which understandably makes them them grumpy i don't think they'd like having only one um they probably would like some of the convenience of having you know maybe both options but they certainly don't like having you know neither option of being able to uh have a, a zero fee handled by apple thing or a you know not handled by apple by going through our own processing so yeah see i don't understand that because i mean like amazon for instance that sorry audible which is owned by amazon they have they don't their app is free on the app store and yet to buy the books you can't you i mean they in, when they first rolled out the app and day one you could buy the books in the app and then apple you know said no that's against the rules so audible said fine you have to go over to our website pick out the books you want and then then you can serve them up inside inside the uh, the app same thing with kindle i mean like the kindle content is consumed in their kindle app on ios or mac or windows or whatever but the actual purchase of the book is done through amazon's own site so what's stopping spotify from doing the same thing i don't understand i don't i don't think it's stopping them it's the how much worse that makes the user experience because it is very oh. confusing to have to do that and maybe people kind of go out of their way for the larger companies like spotify netflix amazon um but it's a fair question right so like they i don't know if they brought up this specific example but they brought up a different one uh, spotify that is about like look why in the world is it inconsistently applied like okay so this is a digital thing in our subscription service for for music and you charge us 30 percent. but mm-hmm. if i'm uber or uber eats and you're getting a burrito delivered to you or you're being taken to a place that has burritos how come that doesn't get a 30 percent charge on it how come they're totally okay since it's a real world thing yeah and, and that's a that's a fair question i mean apple i think but addresses some of that somewhere here in this article but it's weird right and it's 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 a filled with history sort of thing but it 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 is kind of strange that uber can have a really great user experience without having to pay the app store tax but spotify cannot right so i'm just reading the the original article here but apparently they put this up a website to talk about that right yeah i mean okay so so stepping back right because i think both sides have really really good um, points and perspectives here and i don't really know the best way to move forward on like if i was ruler of the world but what did you hear because I, I look at like what are the reasons why each side is doing what it's what it's doing right it, apple's position i think is like well one you know of course it likes to make money i mean there's there's no doubt about that that services growth has app store and app store revenue in it so you know they'd like to see up and to the right especially as new devices being sold um stop growing as fast okay sure but uh, the other part of that is apple is for the very beginning is trying to protect consumers and have a really good experience related to that and uh, magic web 
links that take you out some to heaven knows where and do heaven knows what with your credit card information is kind of antithetical to the way Apple wants to help control the user experience and also make sure that people are not getting scammed. Totally get that. On the other side, I can totally see Spotify's vision of like, hey, our user experience is worse unless we make a business limiting and possibly even business damaging decision of like, yeah, let's give away 30% of our revenue to another party. And they're already giving away a big percentage of their revenue to other parties in the form of the um, music industry, right? The uh, the large record labels. And to throw extra on top of that, just a little bit of, uh, of salt in the wound is, oh, look, and now the platform we're on is competing directly against us at the price we would like to be and not having to pay the 30% tax, you know, to itself. So I, I can totally understand why they're, they're pretty grumpy about that. And I don't know of a good way to accommodate that and handle like all of these different concerts. Well, the example that ATP gave was about Netflix, the fact that you, you can initially download the iOS app if you don't have a Netflix account and you can sign up for a Netflix account, set it up. Um, but in the case, of, in the case of Netflix and as an example, or even Uber, you're, you're paying Netflix directly for the, for the, for the service. It's not, that's not handled through Apple month by month, right? It's not like they're using Apple's subscription service. They're using their own subscription model and they're, they're putting a flag on your account that when you log in through their, through the iOS app or through your television or through your, your computer system, it's looking at the state of your account and whether or not you have access to their service, right? I mean, because Spotify, why does Spotify think that, why is Spotify handcuffed in this way? I don't get it because, again, aren't you paying monthly to Spotify to be a member? This is I, where I'm confused. I, I think even in the case of Netflix, there is a non-zero number of people who are paying through, but maybe maybe they removed it. I think we might actually have talked about this at some point. Like at some point, Netflix may have removed the ability to subscribe from within the app itself because they okay, didn't yeah. want to give that money to Apple and said, oh, look, turns out most people subscribe elsewhere and then log on through their iOS device. Um, I don't know what Spotify's particular breakdown is, but let's pretend that it's a non-zero, non-trivial amount of people who are subscribing through the app store itself versus signing up somewhere else like their Windows PC, their Chromebook, their MacBook, you know, and then coming over to an iOS device. It still puts a limit on the amount of revenue they can draw in and kind of critically it hurts their margins, right? Their margins are already pretty tight because of the nature of their business. It's it's why Spotify is trying to make its own content for the same reason Netflix is trying to make its own content that isn't beholden to anybody else. Like that's part of the context. Not saying that's a really good reason of like, oh, <laughs> sucks to be you for your yeah, business model, but I, like I, I understand. That, that for exactly that reason, it's, you know, they this is the business they chose. There's a certain cost of doing business. They certainly knew that these were the conditions going into it. Uh, they didn't pre, they pre, they didn't predate the app store, right? They, I mean, they, they chose to, to do this on the app store and it was enormously successful for this business. You, you could argue that they wouldn't have a business if it wasn't for this or that's true. Wouldn't have that's the true. Business that they have. So for them now to come out and say that is, is, is a little bit silly. I mean, they, they certainly have the right to do what Netflix does and take all the descriptions offline, but you know, stop, stop complaining about it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Apple's fault. So in, in, yeah, so in Daniel X letter, he says in recent years, Apple has introduced the rules to the app store that purposely limit choice and stifle innovation at the expense of user experience. So he's talking about some things that are changed, I guess, because Apple changes the rules all the time, as we all know. Right. Um, but so he's claiming this is a recent thing, I guess, is, is that they've, they've clamped down on, on different things. And this is why he said he's after clear, careful considerations made a com- complaint to the EU, right? Uh, or the European Commission. But he's, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I agree that, that, that they, this is, this is the nature of the business and this is the nature, this is where the customers are. So I, I mean, 
mean, is he trying to be, you know, speaking on behalf of all developers worldwide that we're all having to pay this this 30? I mean, I don't even feel the 30% tax. That's how, you know, small my pizza sales are, right? Um, pizza app sales, you know, but I don't know. I don't have to deal with, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess it would be nice to have access to my customers and, and know who they are and that, and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, there's also, also Apple takes a lot of pain away from me, right? They deal with the taxes, which we talked about last week. You know, they deal with the handling of the money. You know, if, if somebody wants a refund, uh, notwithstanding some support guy was told last week the customer contacted him directly to get a refund because he was told by the app, by the support team to contact the developer. But um, yeah, I mean, like all that kind of, if somebody wants a refund, Apple just gives them a refund and I just don't get the money. You know, it's not a no big, no big deal. So, you know, I, I get, I guess, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, you know, a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred dollars a year, whereas Spotify is talking about, you know, billions of dollars potentially, right? Yeah. It, I feel like the, the best way to handle both sides of what I talked about earlier of um, re-examining the fairness of the situation, but yet at the same time, not completely, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater because we, we do want to have uh, a nice, safe experience. You know, Apple's kind of already moved in this direction a little bit. You know, it's, it's not a straight up 30% anymore. I think if True, we were to yeah. analyze what Spotify, like I know Spotify is growing, but it's not, you know, doubling every year. So we can say with fair certainty that the people who are subscribing on iOS devices are almost clearly only costing 15%, not the full 30%, right? Because after the first year, it drops down. Well, it's not it's not a subscription service through through the app, the app store, is what I'm saying, right? Do you pay, don't you pay Spotify directly? I, I think you can pay directly and then just log in through your iOS device. But I, I think you can also sign up from within the Spotify app itself, like right. through right. app store purchasing. Like, I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm on a free plan and I'd have to I'd have to try it out on a new device to make sure. Right. Here's another point that he's making about the fact that Apple has locked out Spotify Spotify from and other competitors from services such as Siri, HomePod, and Apple Watch, right? By not, not I guess, not making those available. Because I was just thinking about that. Because I have, I have Spotify on my Google Home, right? Um, well, let, let, hold that thought, right? Because I think that's a fair one to, to talk about. Um, in, in terms of like what I think Apple could do here, I think it'd be nice if Apple made that fifteen percent and across the board adjustment from day one, and maybe even evaluate if they can get it down to ten. And then I feel like it'd be a much more fair representation of the value exchange that's happening. And I liken it to the battle that Apple is having with Qualcomm right now, right? So Qualcomm basically owns the industry with regards to these certain um, chipsets. And the battle they're having with Apple right now is like, how much money should you be paying for the rights to use that technology? Qualcomm has said, hey, it's a certain percentage price of uh, the final uh, thing that you're putting together that you're selling, like in this case, an iPhone. And Apple's like, whoa, that's completely egregious and unfair, right? That's usurious to use a word. It really should be more like, you know, flat fee sort of thing per device. And I feel like that's kind of the same sort of battle that's going on here between Spotify and Apple. And I think if it was just a simpler, smaller, but still, you know, pretty reasonably profitable as far as Apple's concerned, and yet not uh, large and, and onerous from Spotify's perspective, I feel like that'd be a good balance because then we'd continue to have people using uh, normal payment methods, not trying to get around, you know, yet another app store rule. And we'd still have the safety and convenience factor going on. Well, but the truth is though, we have no idea what the uh, break-even profitability rate is. Uh, you know, I highly suspect even at, at 30%, Apple's probably losing money on most developers. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're only selling, you know, 100 apps a year and Apple's taking the 30% cut, well, they probably pay a lot 
lot more than that on on electricity just to keep the servers running that people mm-hmm. download your apps. So so it's not a given that 30% is a usurious uh, rate for this stuff. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, so uh, while I agree it should be fair and equitable, uh, we just don't have enough information to say what fair and equitable is. Uh, it it kind of, well, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky situation. I, 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 I don't envy anybody who has to go through this. So I totally understand your uh, your hesitance on some of this, Mark, because you're, you're raising some really good points. I, I don't know. It gets a little cloudy because we do have the developer um, account price as well that you might throw in there as part of the hosting in the app store sort of stuff. Um, you know, I have like, <laughs> oh, but it's completely that's... anecdotal. I know that like, <laughs> you know, whatever I pay to Apple is clearly almost pure profit for them because I don't put a whole lot of strain on them, but that's not true of every developer. There are certainly folks who make more use of the yeah, support but $99 forums. $99 a things. year to be an Apple developer is a steal for us. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically nothing, right? But it's also like, you know, like how much Apple, do the bits cost, like you know, spinning we... out there in, in like five different data centers to, to store an app for me? Well, you know, less and less with each passing second, I guess. But Well, when you figure, when you when you uh, include the uh, Xcode cost, development costs that, that are amortized over all developers, uh, 100 bucks is probably not not uh, particularly expensive for that. Yeah, I pay more True. I pay more True. per month for hosting th- in, than I do for Apple being a developer for an entire year. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a very good point about the the 30% and and where does it fall on the, you know, margin scale? Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know like like again, if if Apple if Apple brought the bar up and said, you know, you can only be an Apple developer if you're if you're selling, you know, $2,000 a, a month or something or $500 a month or something people would be up in arms, right? Because all of a sudden we'd be all the little guys would be unfairly treated, you know? Yeah. And and I remember making this argument probably three or four years ago when we were first talking about this. If in the old days, say you want to sell a book at, at uh, Barnes and Noble or whatever, uh, by the time that you pay you're paying the publisher and the and and the uh, the distributor and, and the printer and the printer yeah. and all those people paying a lot more than thirty percent. I remember seeing a, a a chart when I was in university uh, about printing a book or the cost of books, right? And I think it was maybe to discourage us from stealing the books from the library or from the bookstore. But it was it roughly, I think 2% of the sale of a book actually went to the authors, mm. you know, back in those days. And, you know, that was just like the 80s, right? And I don't think it was, it had changed much until, you know, something like the Apple Store came along, right? Yeah. You know, um, so I, you know, I think that, I think that there's, what is it, the whole free enterprise thing? The fact Apple has given us little guys the opportunity to play with the big guys, you know? I mean, they're going to try us in terms of popularity and use and all that kind of stuff, but you know they're giving us a chance. You know, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. everybody everybody has the same tra- chance to write the, the next big app. And I'm sure the guys who sat down and did Spotify back in the day, you know, they they started at the same position we did. Just a couple of guys got together over a coffee and said, "Hey, let's do this." Right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was listening to how YouTube started up today. They basically, you know, the the one guy wanted to to see the ma- the wardrobe malfunction, and he went searching around on the web and he couldn't find it anywhere. And there was something else he was looking for. Oh, it was a tsunami in India uh, late in that year, and uh, it's around 20, 2004, I think. And um, he couldn't find anything. So he and his buddy sat down and said, well, what if, what if we make an app that lets people archive videos online and make them make them viewable? And that they called it YouTube, and the rest is history, right? And then they got snapped up by Google, and away you go. 
everybody has the same starting chance, right? All right, uh, let's move on. So, Jaime, you got something here about a prototype, interesting prototype? Yeah, this is an article on The Verge about one of these so-called uh, red iPhone M68 prototypes, which is like this red motherboard PCB that has all sorts of nifty components and in this particular case has an iPhone display that attaches to it. Apparently, this is mm-hmm. the kind of prototype that Apple was using early on in the development of the iPhone to build the software for it before all the hardware was done. So there's interesting ports here on this motherboard like, well, how are we going to hear sound? Well, all right, we can. this one has a 3.5 millimeter jack. You, you can jack in. Um, they're like, well, this model may or may not have a display on it for, you know, depending where they were at in terms of readiness on actual displays. Like, well, it's got monitor connections too, and it's got LAN ports to do um, internet yeah. connectivity and other things. It's it's a really nifty look at some of the some of the history for how this worked. It's got some Wi-Fi radio stuff and a couple of Wi-Fi antennas. There's an interesting GIF on the page that you've got here that shows the uh, the startup screen on the original iPhone as well, right? Yeah. And sort of an impression there where, where the home button would go. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Um, the end of the article, they say that Apple has moved to a much more compact type of development kit for this uh, that's a little easier to, to hide, so it's harder to tell. You're not walking around with a big, I mean, uh, did they say the dimensions on this? It's It looks bigger than an iPad Pro for sure. It's based on... Oh, it's way bigger, yeah. Yeah, it's probably, but it's, I think it's bigger than, than a 12. It looks like an AT, AT, T, what do you call those ATA boards? The original PCs, you know? Yeah, there was like ATX, BTX, I forget yeah, what yeah. was around at that time. Yeah, it definitely looks like something big, but it's cool. I want one. <laughs> I don't know what I would do with it. Make calls. Yeah, I'm surprised they even tried booting it. I'd be afraid to try booting it and break it. Oh, there's even close-up shots here. They showed like the radio board with the you know, Wi-Fi chips and Bluetooth chips, and they've got like a SIM slot on it for testing, I guess, for making calls, right? N-A-N-D, I forget what that is. That's NAND. Yeah. Not, what is that not AND, it's a memory. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, and some buses for plugging in stuff, right? PMU, shutdown, switch, you know. Cool. That'd be neat hanging on my wall. <laughs> Probably worth a gazillion dollars. Lots of money being thrown around today. So anyway, so yeah, we were talking earlier today about like, uh, so there was hardware announced today. There was hardware announced yesterday. And there'll probably be hardware announced tomorrow. So what did they announce on Tuesday, Harmony? I believe this is on Tuesday because it was a crazy, well, no, it might actually have been Monday. I don't know. This has been a crazy week. It was Tuesday. I was, uh, I was at Apple at a, an event, so I missed it. So Oh, okay. Because the, the context is the March 25th, uh, that'd be Monday coming up event where they're, oh, they're going to talk about the subscription service is what we believe. And so what they're clearing the decks for all the news is, hey, here's all this hardware. And the first bit we're going to talk about is related to iPad. They have a new $499, that's $499 US iPad Air, and a $399 iPad Mini update. Uh, largely spec bumps. Uh, it is interesting to me that the iPad Mini update is compatible with the Apple Pencil. So is the iPad right. Air. Yes, that's true. Uh, my understanding is that is the previous generation of the Apple Pencil. And yeah, not the OG, the most, yeah. Yeah, not the most up-to-date one. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to say about these? I mean, they're, they're oh, nice. Oh, this is pretty cool. Bumps. As you know, the Mini is my favorite form factor for iPads, right? And I have a 12-inch Pro with the Pencil which I got because of the pencil. I have the original 12-inch, right? 12.9. Um, and I have the pencil. I mean, so, yeah, it's like a no-brainer for me. I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure if somebody will buy my original iPad. I actually went on to the site the other day and figured out that, you know, I can probably get like $350 for my iPad Pro 12-inch Pro, and then I could throw, you know, a couple hundred bucks at buying one of these minis, right? So definitely I'm in, I'm, I'm very much interested, you know. And, and so a, my so next... a mini with a pencil is kind of like a uh, Palm Pilot from 20 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> It's just like back in the old days yeah. when I had a Palm Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, well, I had a Newton too. And just, it's about the same as, same as a Newton, right? Mm. Um, and somebody stole my Newton. And so the insurance company replaced it with a, with a Palm Pilot. That's how I got into the HPs, right? Mm. But yeah, 
I had, to, I had to go on eBay. It's one of the first things on eBay I went back and bought an original uh, Newton, so I, I have one here. Mm-hmm. I actually have two of them now that uh, say that. <laughs> um, yeah, because the screen started to go on my original one. Anyway, yeah, this is cool. And, and it's the, the, the A12 Bionic chip, not the A12X, which I think is in the in the iPad Pro models. But uh, that's still a pretty good bump in terms of the, uh, the um, Bionic chip. It's also got, you know, the True Tone display and the wide color gamut. Um, it's got a Retina display, of course, right? Definitely, definitely a, an interesting, interesting iPad. And I was joking, I wondered how many people sold off their original iPad, their pencils when they figured they were going to be obsolete, right? Mm. Yeah, that's probably something I'm pretty disappointed in. Not the upgrade to the pencil, but the fact that there isn't even basic backwards compatibility. Like, I, I get why the original pencil may not be forwards compatible with you know new iPad Pros. Well, I get that. I can argue for that every day and understand it. What's weird is why you don't get, you know, some downgraded but still functional experience with a new pencil on an older device. Right, true. I get you. I see what you're saying, yeah. Because my, my, you remember my, my pencil by 53, you know, the people who make paper, it works on, on all of my iPads. It even works on my iPhone, right? Um, so I don't get it. It's still, I was playing with it the other day. I just, you know, charged it up and tried it out and was drawing stuff on my on my uh, my iPhone 10, you know? <laughs> yeah, so all the people who are like, well... What good is this pen? These old pencils I have, like, ah, I guess I'll start using with chopsticks. They're rapidly washing them off and recharging them, and say, whoa, 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 I'm going to use it with one of these iPad Minis. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good. I mean, and also it addresses some of the some of the things that you know. There was a lot of speculation as to what Apple's going to announce next, and and iPads were one of the things that was being tossed around, right? So um, I'm still, you know, I, I'm still in in mind of getting a, an 11 inch Pro. That would be my, 11 inch Pro was was up until yesterday my first choice of replacement iPad, but then it also meant that I had to go get a new pencil and new cases and stuff like that, and the Pro cases aren't cheap, right? So getting back into a Mini, you know, which again, I don't really take my iPad out anymore because I'm, you know, I'm getting on the streetcar every day, and it's it's awkward to pull a 12-inch iPad out on the on the streetcar because you barely have room to pull out your phone sometimes, right? They get pretty crowded, but to have a, an iPad Mini, you know, that I can stick it in the pocket of my Columbia jacket, which I did many, many times, and, you know, it would give me a use for my pencil now, which I rarely use right I, i'm i'm in what about you well mark you're in you did you get a new, new yeah, ipad you were in i never actually got a got a new one so i'm still uh still thinking about it i guess this maybe i don't know if this changes the decision for me i kind of want i still want the one that has the face id and the new pencil yeah face id is another seller yeah for sure yeah yeah I mean, hold up for another six months and they'll almost certainly have new ipads in the fall true true you think i mean i, I don't pros. see when I, it, 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 so let's let's talk for 30 seconds here on the i don't know just even comments on on this very article people are like oh the lineup's so confusing blah blah i'm like is it really i think it comes down to how much money do you have or are willing to spend great right that's the ipad you're buying <laughs> right yeah, you just expanded yeah, yeah. the range of things you could buy yeah. yes if you're like oh my gosh i absolutely have to have the, the best for this particular thing it's like well okay but you know then you're going at the top of the line if it's like look bro i got 3.99 plus tax to spend great here you go go get yourself a mini yeah you know and it's funny because we've been complaining about the ipad uh line being confusing for for eons i mean like you know at one point we had we had the mini and we had the mini which was basically an ipad 2 then they had the mini 4 with touch id and then they had a couple of two or three different ipads themselves and, and then they brought up the that was before the pros came along there was there was i remember there was a time when you could walk into an apple store and be really confused about which ipad to buy right mm-hmm. so it's not like they haven't done this before it had you know too many things in the mix right but it gives it gives a difference between you know if you want if you if you're not willing if you don't really need the sort of pro features which are 
are really not that significant. But Face ID, right? If, you, if you're not in the market for that, then you know maybe maybe this is a better way to go. Also, thinking you know the like they had the educational model for people, mm-hmm. that one still seems to be around, right? So we've got the mini, the educational iPad, and then they've got the the new uh, nine, what is it, nine inch, ten ten point five inch iPad, which replaces mm-hmm. the ten point five yeah. inch Pro, if I'm not mistaken, right? Same form factor. They probably had the molds, and maybe Tim had some some uh, castings in the, in his basement. He had to still get rid of, right? Because these these have the the chamfered backs, not not the uh, not the square edges, right? And they're probably not bent either. <laughs> yes, they, they probably <laughs> they probably don't bend. If that, so that's if you want a straight a, iPad, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like those those bent TVs that people buy, you know, the curved ones for better better viewing. Yeah, I don't know. So no, to uh, still still a definite maybe for Mark, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, what about you, Jaime? Did you just buy an iPad recently? You have a Pro, right? I have a Pro. It was not last year's. It might have been the year before, and. Uh, I have then an old school pencil that works with it. So I'm probably not going to buy, well, I should restate, I am almost 100% not going to buy one of these because it, it just doesn't make sense as an upgrade for what I have. But I'd leave things open for September if something in the iPad line as an upgrade knocks my socks off. And I say, all right, I, I got to do something with this extra old school pencil. Well, it's become, I think it's it's become a known fact that iPads, people don't flip out their iPads every year like we do with the phones, right? They they seem to last two, three years. Like mine, what, mine's a 2015, late 2015 model and I'm still using it. So, and it's what, um, yeah, it's 2019 now. It's almost three, four years old. Is that right? The iPad probably not that long. I, I bought it just before starting my new my new job, right? Yeah, late 2015. So what do you know? But yeah. I, I think and- I think the reality is people, people like, people keep their iPads longer than, than or they, they hand them down, I guess, uh, other members of the family, but, but again, this is Aaron's wish: is to have the iP- the pencil be more available across the, across the platform as well, right? Because he was talking about that a couple of years ago. It's it's finally happening, and when folks asked, like, how come these new devices don't have the one sec, like, the super duper pencil? When people ask, like, why don't these use the new pencil? It's like apparently the kind of screen that they are using would not support the new pencil, and that would be a much more expensive um, part to add. Yeah, to these a, is that the liquid retina? Is that what that's about? I'll take your word for it. I completely forget. <laughs> Yeah, the it's called is. Liquid Rattler on the, on the pros. Right, so probably that. And let's remember, let's take a step back here. The context for this particular announcement and these devices, I think, I think is in service of the new announcement on the 25th, which is supposed to be right, uh, right. TV and news subscription services. So again, how much money do you have? Great. Um, get these lower cost devices and then spend the savings on the new subscription service, I think is the idea here. Just that everybody can, can sort of join the fun. So the one thing I remember about the pros, and it has to do with the the uh, refresh rate, I think, on the screen is 120 hertz if you're using the pencil. I wonder if that's the same. I'm just going to take a quick look at the comparison page. Where's this find? Yeah, find the right iPad for you, for me. Yeah, I think the new pencil was 240, uh, 240 hertz. Oh, so it's twice, twice the resolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Right. Let's try to see if they have something on the page here to make it easier for us to figure out. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The same resolution, 264 pixels per inch. Uh, sorry, same pixel count, I should say. Resolution's a little lower. Um, doesn't say anything. It's the A10 co-processor as opposed to the M12. Sorry, M12 as opposed to M or M10 in the new devices, but uh, the, the pros have the M12 co-processor. Don't know what that means. Oh, difference is also not USB-C, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I don't know if it's states in circle. That's a pretty big difference for a lot of people. Yeah. Cameras are lower aperture or higher aperture. 8 megapixels as opposed to 12. Was it Renny Richie was talking about uh, people taking patties instead of selfies with iPads these days? Yeah, it used to be ridiculous, but it's so common now that I don't even notice it when tourists are doing it. Really taking pictures of their iPads? That's yeah. so weird, man. <laughs> I mean, you, 
you know, people will uh, FaceTime and be like, oh, look, I'm over here, you know, like the Space Needle or something. And what's a better FaceTime than having a large window display you can show somebody and then take a mm-hmm. selfie? Yeah. No, I don't see anything here. I'm just looking through the specs. I'm getting deeper into them. Deeper into the weeds here, as it were. No, I think it's I think it's a good buy. You know, definitely. I think it's a good buy for, for you know, even for the average Joe getting the iPad. Yeah, I, I, I would do it. I don't think I'd regret it. No, even even as an even as an interim step towards getting getting because I mean what's the difference between the Mac, the Mini in this case and my my iPad Pro OG right my 2015 iPad Pro right probably very similar in terms of in terms of specifications right and just much smaller fits in my pocket right <laughs> right what's the other announcement they hardware wise oh yes Mark's got one here too a couple of other announcements one of them was uh, an update to the iMac line mm-hmm. uh, first one in a couple of years I think uh, yeah. and they're coming out with uh, basically the the form factor and, and the case are all exactly the same. It's just uh, updates to the processors and and the, and the drives. So they're uh, now going to ship with the eighth generation Intel CPUs and a quad core and six core form factors. Uh, that's in the 21 and a half inch. And then the 27 inch has a ninth generation Intel uh, with six core and eight core configurations as well. So Apple saying that these can give twice the performance of the previous generation. Uh, interestingly enough, they they still, the base models still have a, a, a disk drive, a spinning disk drive. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, for cost reasons. Uh, but of course, oh, you, can, okay. you can update it or uh, upgrade it to a uh, SSD, as I think most people probably will. So That is a 4K display. Is that not new? And the, the lower, the top one comes with a 5K display, like like the... The 5K the display fancy. has been around for a couple of years in the... The 4K, I, though, is that in the in the 21.5 inch? Is that new? That's definitely not new. Well, I don't know about in the 21.5 inch specifically, but, but they... Remember the 4K display originally came out in the iMac a couple of years ago. Yeah. And there was a lot of speculation about how come there isn't a uh, a cinema display or a or yeah, a uh, seen... Thunderbolt display that's also 4K and the reason was that the mm-hmm. most machines couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't drive that they didn't have the, the, the hardware or or, uh, or the drivers to, to power it and so but, mm-hmm. it, but it actually never happened so yeah so but the iMac that was probably 2015 or so when the when it first came out with a 4K display so if you're if you're in the market for a new iMac now is probably a pretty good time to, to get one because they just uh, up the specs Right. Which still has an SD slot on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and an Ethernet, gigabit Ethernet. Ooh. There you go. Who uses that anymore? Oh, it's got uh, USB-Cs on the back. That's new, right? From the IMA- uh, IMAX? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think the I think they had that. Um, I mean, there's just, I mean, as, as svelte as the IMAX are, they still have a lot of surface area that you can put all sorts of ports and plugs in. So sure, I don't yeah. see why they would necessarily need to drop anything um, all that soon. You know, I, Mark's point about the uh, lower cost ones, I could see the being in you know office complex or uh, school classrooms and stuff the, the lower end models and those may or may not have wi-fi but they probably have you know ethernet jacks that they can just put in there um i don't know it, it seems like a pretty nice update uh, all around by the way the 4k display is new because they, they still have the 21.5 inch mac imac in the lineup and it's a just it's just a regular old uh display so this is retina this this uh 21.5 inches of, is a is i think the first retina in that size size factor so form factor sorry in that form factor that's that's uh interesting you're trying to see if there's any difference between the black mac pro and the uh new mac oh 10 core versus 8 core right or up to 18 core in the pro yeah still still a good set of uh choices there i don't know about the fusion drive though because i have i we have a hard drive in in our current imac upstairs but i run it off i run the mac office off an ssd drive because it's brutal running off the hard drive mm. yeah. yeah i think this is a, a good choice for mac too the the middle of the line uh if you don't want the giant you know 27 inch mac right mm-hmm. what size is the monitor you have at, at the office 
Mark? Uh, the LG. I don't know. It's the LG. Is that LG 5K? I don't yeah. actually don't know what size it is. So I was going to uh, ask Jaime to talk about the AirPods. What do you? Th- what is? What's new with those? Well, a couple of things. So you have both a new wireless charging case, which is available for your old AirPods as well, uh, for the low, low price of seventy nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Wireless Qi. That's That'd QI. Go great with an Air AirPower, wouldn't it? It sure would. <laughs> and as of this recording, that is the one thing they have not released yet. Uh, but with regard to these new AirPods, uh, they seem nifty. They've uh, for the same. I think it was one fifty nine to begin with, right? Is that is that an upcharge of ten dollars more? Was it one forty nine or was it always one fifty nine? I thought they were way more than that in Canadian dollars. Well, uh, so we're talking U.S. here, so that that's a good point. So somewhere in the one fifty ish U.S. range, uh, one hundred fifty nine is what it says here. You will get a um, AirPods with better sound, yeah, more magical more battery than the advertising says, yeah. And with the H, the power of the H one chip that's new for these headphones, you will get the voice command support with Hey followed by the words. Siri. Cool. Yeah. So instead of having to like tap the side of one of the AirPods before speaking to Siri, you can just talk directly to it. And the new chip here supposedly provides up to 50% more talk time than previous models and faster connecting times. So there's no, I'm looking at the Canadian side here, but there's, so there's no old iPods available anymore? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look at the AirPods with a charging case or AirPods with a wireless charging case. Difference of $50. Yeah. There's still a couple hundred bucks here in Canada. How much are they in the States for the base? says here 159 but I don't know what the old models were. I remember them being around 150 but I can't remember if it was exactly 159. Do you have them or you don't have them? I do not. I, I have doubts about using them because just Oh, you the have way those the, funny ears. I forgot. Yeah, yeah my... <laughs> <laughs> with my narrow ear holes... <laughs> Um, the ear pods, the wired ones that come with the iPhone get uncomfortable pretty quick after, mm. you know, 45 minutes to an hour. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think I am unfortunately left out of this particular. Well, they also fall device. out of Mark's ears too. So yeah, yep. I yeah. can't use them. Even, you've even tried these ones? No, I haven't tried those, but I've tried the ones that come with the phone. Yeah. The wired ones. Yeah. yeah. I think it depends on, on, on the, uh, there's something funny about that. Cause I have several pairs of them, right? And I have the one that my oldest pair are the ones I like the best, probably because the wires, you know, more worn in and softer and stuff like that. Those ones tend to stay in my ears all the time, but I know what you mean, but the new ones kind of pop out. I don't know if it's the stiffness of the wire or whatever, but there's something about them that's this, but they're, they're identical. There's no difference between them, right? If you look at the actual, you know, size of them and whatever, right? So I, I, think, I think it's something to do with the cabling, like whether, you know, jams up against the, your collar or your zipper or whatever. So I haven't tried the, uh, the. Uh, I mean, just about everybody I know at, at, uh, around me has the fancy wireless ones, right? But uh, I'd rather spend my money on an Apple Pencil. <laughs> I mean, why not both? You've got you got your birthday and, and some sort of holiday like Christmas. Yeah. Maybe an anniversary. You know, there's all sorts Mac, of reasons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, still working on that one. Yeah. I guess. I, don't know. I thought they were coming out with black ones. That's what the rumor was. I'm so disappointed. Yeah, that was that was a big rumor. I, they were not announced here. It's not to say they won't be announced in the fall or some other sort of time frame, but not with this release. Well, they should. If they came out with black ones, they'd be so much harder, easier to lose, right? Not going to go. Maybe they there. should come out with neon ones, <laughs> high visibility, reflective ones, like they exactly. put on the material for people or who ones are where, ones where you construction can push a button workers. on your phone and they would beep and you could find them or in your watch, I should say. All right, so let's get into some gaming here, honey. What do you got for us? 
Yeah, the the context here is that um, it's around the time for GDC, the game developer conference going on in somewhere in the Bay Area. It might be San Francisco. Um, and stuff is coming up from Microsoft and Google. Microsoft has been talking about its xCloud uh, game streaming service. And as a companion to that, they've announced Xbox Live for iOS and Android games. So you can connect to the Xbox Live network. Very similar, I think, to the way that the Game Center stuff would work. You can maintain friend lists and maintain achievements and their stuff. So um, something like a like a Minecraft property that Microsoft owns 100% makes sense. You know, you can imagine seamlessly moving your information with you as you move from device to device. Oh, Microsoft owns Minecraft? They do. They bought that a few years ago for like a billion dollars. And so, yeah, they've got a new mobile SDK for, for integrating with this. So I thought it might be interesting to bring up here as part of a, hey, if you're a developer for iOS, there's a decent chance you develop for games. So if you're also developing for consoles of any sort, you're probably using something like a Unity and it seems like it would make sense to use Xbox Live integration for your games. Yeah, it says for it says for any iOS or Android game. So how does that work? Well, if you incorporate the the SDK, oh, right? SDK. Like, okay. I'd like, oh, look, you've you've, you've paid five dollars, or you, <laughs> well, job. Here's an achievement, or oh, you have played for twenty eight hours straight. Okay, cool. Here's an achievement here. Oh, I see. For keeping score and, and for the social networking aspect of it. Yeah, that's why I brought up games. It was called Game Center, right? It's been a while since it's been a big thing. Um, on Apple, on iOS. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost non-existent now, right? Yeah, I think there's vestiges of it. Like, I think if you're still connected to people, you can still play games connected yeah, to there. No, yeah, there's no way to go in. And you can still manage your, see your scores and leaderboards and stuff like that, but you really and can't do anything beyond that. Right. Sorry, what's that, Mark? And achievements. Yeah, they, they took out the whole networking aspect of it with Game Center friends and invite your friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can still challenge people, but they have to already be connected, like you said. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of a broken experience in my in my book. Yeah, what, what they've really never done that they should have done when they made that change is, is give you away as far as I can tell there's and granted I haven't looked at this in a while but but I remember there was a, a major issue where before you could you could inside your app you could invite specific friends programmatically you know using their their uh, player ID so if you wanted to specifically invite two or three of your friends your game center friends you could do that from inside the app now I don't I don't think there's a way to invite specific people by email uh, like like you do now if you you know if you want to invite someone to a game through messages you can do that through game to, with in game oh really okay yeah but but I don't think there's a way to do it from the app anymore which is kind of a kind of an omission in my opinion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm, even on my PlayStation I have an account and I have, there's an they, they created an iOS app where you can go in and manage your relationships and message your friends and stuff like that so of course you know you get two guesses as to what my ID is on PlayStation Store first two don't count IT guy um, but no <laughs> what's my ID on everything Mark isn't it IT guy Kim is it the same as the Twitter machine ID because that would have been my first one yeah, and then I would exactly. have been IT guy it is, it's just about on every social networking platform and you can think of um, no, that's why I don't know <laughs> <it's Easter> egg. <laughs> yeah. our selections were obviously colored by our life experiences yeah, so. yeah. well I wasn't thinking, I was talking to the listeners I wasn't talking to you Mark specifically yeah. um, anyway while, while we're at it so we'll talk about uh, Stadia which is what uh, Google re- rolled out so GDC is happening now right now how many do you think I think it's this week I don't know if it's over yet because okay. it's been a day or two but 
uh, it, yeah. it happened this week. The yeah, week of so Stadia was announced yesterday by Google. It's funny, I don't know if you, if you watched the little video that they produced for this thing. I haven't watched this particular video. I watched a 13-minute recap of their, their okay. presentation. So, so they got this little video here where, where they talk about, instead of instead of uh, creating a platform, they sort of, it's basically instead of uh, creating a, a place for people to play, and they, they emphasize this place thing, and the video is very reminiscent of a movie that came out last year where this guy puts on these VR goggles and gets immersed in it. So I'm surprised they didn't just call it Oasis and get it over with, right? Um, because it's it's it, the commercial sort of alludes to the fact that it's very similar to that sort of, you know, you all go into this one area arena and play, right? Which is kind of sort of the, the Google spin on, on how they're going to connect people to, to the gaming center, right? Yeah, so it's 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 wireless streaming of games. Uh, like, for example, yeah. earlier this year, they did a beta of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I want to say. And you don't even have to use their equipment, even though they, they did come out with a specialized controller that works uh, seamlessly with the Google Stadia. Yeah. It looks very like a Steam. Have you seen a Steam controller? Yeah, I, I kind of thought it looked like a PS4 DualShock combined with yeah. the Xbox One X controller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I could see the Steam controller. I mean, these the, there's like a perfect shape for controllers, and we're, we're very much leading towards that era. But Yeah, it's like a steering wheel. How many options can you have for that, right? Yeah, and the two buttons that are different, though, are the instant sharing to YouTube, which I want to talk about in, in terms cool. of strategy and, and, and how I would love to see something like this come to, to iOS. Uh, and there's also a Google Assistant button where you can ask for help, like, oh, how do I beat this character? How do I <laughs> defeat this dungeon sort of thing? Um, it's all like wildly cool server-based tech. They even show, you know, some machine learning based, you know, hey, like, what if we had this character that had like no texture and then threw on uh, Starry Night by um, Van Gogh and used that as a, as a way to texture the entire world? What would that look like? I find this interesting as a really a play to make sure that YouTube continues to stay relevant as a place where people go and consume content, right? So all throughout their whole presentation, they were showing, oh, you know, you could be watching a trailer for a new game and then just click a link and in less than five seconds, you know, no, no long download required, you can start playing the game. And also people can share what they're playing right now. Um, and I think this is uh, sort of a way to hedge their bets against competition from Twitch and live streaming of like, oh, if you're a YouTube Let's Player or a live streamer, you can invite people to play. Like, oh, you're playing Madden. Oh, let's have some other people join. Or if we're playing some other, you know, multiplayer game, you can all join in. Um, really strikes me as not a play for Google to really make money on gaming, but really as a way for it to use its YouTube assets and continue to make sure that that's strong. So we've, hmm. we've talked about Apple having a gaming subscription type service. I would really love to see something kind of like this going in that direction. So it is a little different in, in terms of there isn't really a there isn't really a device that you use for this. This is all whatever you bring to the table, right? In terms of how you're playing playing in Stadia? Stadia? Yeah, they, they used an example of like a Google Chromebook. Um, they, they didn't name what it was, but they supposedly went out and locally bought like the worst device they could possibly get for a PC. And it doesn't really matter because everything is streaming from Google's servers. So the game is running, uh, these PC games are running on Google servers. Uh, that does mean, as people were very quick to point out, that if you want the full 4K HDR experience at 60 frames per second, you got to make sure you have at least a 30 megabits per second download speed. Mm, and for 1080p, you can have uh, less than 25 megabits per second. And of course, data caps come into here and be 
people are wondering about like, how do I modify my game? And what does it mean for DRM and rights? And how much will this cost? No clue. Google said it'll be available in 2019. It's an exciting tech sort of demo that they're showing here. Again, the context is this is the game developer content uh, conference, GDC. So this is kind of like a WWDC sort of thing where all of those wonderful things people are wondering about from a user gamer perspective, those would probably be talked about at E3, which is like the equivalent of the September keynote for us Apple folks, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit more uh, consumer focused and less on the nitty gritty of like, look at this cool tech with these uh, AMD GPUs and you know TensorFlow and all sorts of stuff. Sure, sure. Well, before we move on to the, the next thing, I just want to, and since we're arguing about pronunciation for the last three weeks, um, some people would say it's Vincent van Gogh, not Vincent van Gogh. Just putting it out there. Anyway, um, is it, is it so yeah, I was listening to today. Uh, yeah, I, I I've always heard it. Gogh and Gogh. Yeah, but, but it's not go, right? Right, well, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm using anyway. the common anglicized form of the artist's name, so points guess, taken on, on the original original pronunciation. Dutch. I guess. All right. Um, uh, anyway, so I, I was listening today, uh, uh, recommend, recommended by a friend of mine to listen to, um, hey, Aylad, how are you? Um, to listen to uh, Acti- Accidental Tech Podcast, which I, I really haven't been listening to for a long time, but uh, today they had, or this episode, latest episode, they had uh, Phil Schiller um, talking on talking about WWDC. So uh, interesting, if you're interested in WWDC and you want to hear about the history of it, that kind of stuff, uh, interesting talk with Phil Schiller talking about all aspects of the food choices and, you know, how they arrange things and, and what he feels about uh, about the, the you know, build up towards it and the amount of work that goes into it. And they, they also, they, they said, you must be like, you know, sick of it by the time it happens. He says, no, no, this is, this is the day of the year when we're building towards all this stuff and we're finally able to talk about these things and answer questions and get people's feedback on what they've announced and that kind of stuff. So a really interesting talk. If you're, if you're, you know, at all interested in um, WWDC, I recommend that you listen to this episode of the latest episode of Accidental Tech Tech Podcast. I'm just going to pull up the name of it here. Episode 317, We're Customers too. It's a special WWDC segment. They talked to um, Phil Schiller. Cool. Yeah, and they also talk, they also give their opinion on the Spotify versus Apple in that purchase dispute. So interesting to hear that. Don't recommend that. I guess that's almost a pick, I guess, eh? Have you guys listened to this show at all or nope. no, Mark hasn't? Uh, partway through the episode. All right. Well, since that was kind of a pick anyway, I might as well just continue with, with my rest of my picks. Uh, this pick came from Nick Lockwood uh, on Twitter. He he uh, pointed out that he didn't know this and I didn't know this and many people didn't know this, but you can actually paste phone numbers into the phone app. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but you know, if you're in the contacts or you're on a web page or somebody you know texts you a phone number, you can click on it and nine times out of 10, it'll call, it'll call, the, it'll recognize it as a number and call, but then it'll do that with any any 10-digit number that you, you happen to highlight. But you can actually pick up that number. You can copy to the to the pasteboard and you can go into the phone phone app and just above where the the, the keypads are, if you, if you press, hold, press and hold there, you'll see a paste option will come up and you can paste the number in there. So that's kind of a handy little shortcut that many of us didn't know. Uh, it's been around since, you know, Adam was a boy. It was, it was there in the uh, skeuomorphic version of the iPhone app. Uh, but uh, there you go. I don't know if you guys had ever tried that or knew about that. I don't ever knew about that, but I don't think I ever even tried, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure I picked up numbers in the past before, too. It's a complicated answer. I did do this before, but had forgotten that this was a thing you could do. So apparently there was one point at which I felt it useful to do. And I'm unclear why, because normally you can just, you know, if you're on device, you can just, you know, tap to click on something and it'll bring up the, the phone number ready to roll. But I must have, uh, I must have used like continuity or handoff or some other thing that I acquired the text from like a web page 
on my browser, uh, like my desktop or something or iPad, and then brought it over to the iPhone and say, oh, look, I can do this. I don't have to like email it to myself or anything dumb like that. Yeah, well, it's like they have the data detector thing in, in your apps, right? And, and you know, you've, you've always been able to click on a, um, a phone link. I think even like, if I'm not mistaken, it might be like TEL colon slash slash and then the numbers is like a HTML link for a phone number. But um, you've always been able to click on a number and, it, and, and it'll offer to, to make a call for you. But like like I said, if you just copied it as a piece of text and went over there, I'm, I, I may have pasted it in the schemorphic days. But and now that I think about it, there's so much white space above the keys. Like it, it kind of makes sense, you know, that, that you'd be able to paste up there but or at least see the number you're dialing. Because you, when you're on a call, you see the, the person you're speaking to and all that kind of or the, the yeah the, the contact on the phone number right so yeah it's not a very usual occasion for me to have to have tried this which is why i did it the one time i actually needed yeah. it figured it, you know figured it out because it was not obvious and then promptly forgot it and have not used it in the years since yeah 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 okay well my next check my next um pick here is uh i was working on some fast lane stuff with a friend of mine and trying to debug why his there's a thing called fast lane gym which will you know once you've got your provision profiles and all that kind of stuff set you can actually do ad hoc builds and you can do um, uh, app store builds with with this gym product and then you know the next one over is called pilot if you want to push it up to the app store and that kind of stuff but but gym um, was failing for us and on, just as of like a couple of weeks ago it started failing and uh, coincidentally we also had some issues with submitting apps and turned out we talked about this way back in when the new phones came out that there's an arm 64e uh, build architecture in in iOS now uh, to support the new iPad pros and the uh, the Typhoon 10S and the 10R, they all use ARM64 architecture. And uh, as I recall, it was supposed to be that um, you could build your app. You, you needed the you needed the ARM64 architecture to, to basically build to a, to a device, right? Um, and so you had to be using Xcode 10 minimum because Xcode 9 didn't even know about the ARM64E. And even if you put it in, it didn't work. We talked about that months ago, right? But what was supposed to happen was when you submitted apps to the App Store, uh, as I understood it, Apple would strip out that arm 64e when it went to the to actually publish it to the store or something to that effect um but for some reason in xo 10.1 it's not stripping it out it's keeping it in there um and so what's happening is when part of the gym process is it actually tries to validate the app through the through the app store mechanism you know when you have that button where you can say validate app and, and and the store will report back to you what's what's wrong with your submission um so it's spitting back an error that says invalid swift format so it's will it invalid swift version, I believe, and um, saying that, you know, there's something wrong with it. And so the only way around that is to actually go into the release version. If in, I've got a screenshot here on my tweet um, into the valid architectures and remove the ARM64E from your uh, release build. And then uh, miraculously, it works in, in Fastlane and, and presumably also works when you're submitting to the App Store. So, and that's just, we're hoping that's fixed in 10.2, but just a heads up if anybody's banging their head or pulling their hair out over this particular issue. And it, you know, it, it it's one of these errors where it throws all kinds of, or one of these situations where it throws all kinds of all kinds of errors that don't really point to what they're what it actually says. Like even in Fastlane, which is generally pretty good about telling you what the errors are with your app submission, they're giving sort of obscure, unrelated responses to the to the error. So it took us a while to sort of figure this out. Screenshot up here with the steps to how to go in and, and remove the ARM64E support. Um, and of course, I've got the note here: your mileage may vary because you know may work for you may not it's not guaranteed and uh, of course back up your work before you do anything like this right so that's my advice to you just a heads up that's good because that's the sort of tip that will save people a lot of heartache if they're running into it that's it's not very obvious that that's what was happening yes we 
we had uh, several uh, several hair hair pulling sessions in the last couple of weeks over this one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the guy the fast lane was like ready to throw in the towel. He was like so fed up. Um, the uh, the last pick I've got here is is this just surfaced yesterday. I don't know when it came out, but um, and I've got a link here. It only works in Google Chrome, so don't try it in Safari. But I'll have a link in the show notes for people. But you can play where in the world is Carmen Sandiego in your browser. So I don't know if you guys are, and it plays it on Google Earth. I don't know if you guys have ever played that when you were kids. Or I did, were, and there was a there was a TV show like a game show. Yeah, that had a, oh, was a, a pretty memorable tune. Hmm. Yeah, this is if you try if you copy the pieces into into uh, Google Chrome or if that's your browser of choice, uh, you can start the game up, and it's it's very similar to the uh, the uh, CD-ROM game we had back in the day. But I must have to have to say it's a lot faster than that CD-ROM game ever was, right? So I, I think that we talked about it a couple months ago it was like that retro uh, 68K site. They actually had a version of Carmen Sandiego you could play there as well. You guys remember that? Anyway, if you're a Carmen Sandiego fan, take it for a spin. Maybe it, and it looks like and... it's sorry. It looks like it's the style of the new Netflix animated series. Yeah, Carmen oh, Sandiego. Yeah. Are they doing a Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, there's a there's a animated series on Netflix right now. Like like just came out or uh, within the last week or two, I think. So oh, okay, so, so maybe it's a tie-in. Yeah, it must be tie-in to that, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, off you go. Play that game. So what do you got picked for us, Jaime? Yeah, speaking of blasts from the past, uh, my pick is an iPad app called Banana Paint, mm-hmm. which lovingly reproduces the Paint app from... Mac Paint. Yes, the Mac Paint. I'm not sure what version this happens to match up to, um, but it's pretty nifty. Uh, it even supports the Apple Pencil, which is hmm. which is really nice. And uh, it does have some modernness in terms of like when you print, you can air print. And uh, I didn't actually try saving documents to see what you could do there, but right, right. that's pretty neat. Yeah, no, it's a, I used to love this this app. But but I can tell you that the Mac Paint worked on my Mac up until like uh, Mac OS 9. I was able to still use Mac Paint. But it only worked in that uh, 320 by, what was it, 320 by 480 aspect ratio? Mm-hmm. Like the window never grew beyond that. So I wonder how long it's going to be before somebody comes up with HyperCard for iPad. Right? <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> so it's $1.99 on the App Store. Uh, straight up purchase. I don't think there's any IAPs. At least not what I said. Yeah, I don't see anything on there. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's notoriety on this very show will cause it to go away. So go get it before it <laughs> figures out what's happening here because it's it's great. It's swell. Yeah, that's a great. I have to download it to my iPad and play with it. Yeah, no, it was really cool playing playing with that kind of stuff. And actually, you know, back in the days, back in the black and white days, some people were pretty cool, pretty cool artists. You know, of course, Susan Kerr was the first first sort of artist that was working on this stuff before any of us were. Yeah, well, now you can go in and lovingly recreate the dog cow. Well, the dog cow, yeah, or the bananas. Mm. I wonder if it's named after, like, you know, the Banana 2000 computer. Remember that one? I do not. You don't know the Banana 2000? How about you, Mark? Uh, nope. Really? Yeah, I don't remember that one. Okay, hang on. i got to find it for you now. I'm on a mission. Banana 2000. I have to find just the right image, too, because you'll there's a strip. Is it Banner 2000? Pretty sure it was. Was it um, Berkeley Breathe? Do you guys know him? Yeah, he's the guy who wrote Doom County. He's back, eh? He's back on uh, on um, Facebook and stuff. There's a classic image, I'll see if I can find it, um, of the Banana 2000 saying, I think therefore I am, and starts walking out of the room until the plug comes out of the wall and, you know, clearly loses power. Oh. It looks like a, it looks like a, a, a original 128K Mac. Oh, I found a computerhistory.org archive that has some terribly broken YouTube links. But I see what you mean about the Berkeley Breathed uh, yeah. Bloom County link. There's some sort of ad. Yeah, I'm up the Banana Junior 600. This is, I don't yeah, know you that. can find us the the canonical link, and of course the, it will be in the show links. Dara, see, look look at the picture I just posted, you guys. That's the Banana 2000. Mm. I wonder why it didn't come up when I searched for it. Very strange. Yeah, I got all sorts of links for organic bananas. Oh wait, maybe it's because I didn't put the the uh, bang key, uh, G in at the back of it, right? If it makes you feel better, I use 
used Google and it also gave me all sorts of very unhelpful results first. A lot of articles about organic bananas in the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a device that, uh, is a character's name, Marcus? Maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, you can even buy feet for your 128K to make it look like the banana 2000. Do you say Berkeley breathed? How did you say it? I thought it was breathed. I think that was like an accent mark. On I don't know. We can, we can argue about that, I'm sure. We on, argued on about Van Gogh. I'm almost certain I got it wrong for... <laughs> For Berkeley breathed breath. I don't know. I don't know. Bloom County and Outland guy. You know who he is. And if you yeah. don't, you can find him on Facebook and Twitter. He's got all sorts of new uh, new comics going up. Yeah, we follow him on Twitter. Do you follow him on Twitter? I, mean, I on, do, on but with the I mean, distressing Facebook. way that Twitter shows things. Facebook actually. I mean, I meant. Oh, it's Banana Six Thousand. Maybe that's why I got the name wrong. Uh, I feel like Google normally corrects for that sort of thing. You know what I meant? Yeah, Banana. It looks like Banana Six Thousand works for me. Here it is. I found the cartoon. Let me grab this one. Yeah. Look at the app store posting for banana paint and says coming soon banana write and banana draw hmm. <laughs> i actually have a copy of mac mac uh, mac draw here and mac paint no mac right mac right i have it original in the box floppy disks and all there you go this is my favorite cartoon i think therefore i am right and he starts walking out the door <laughs> i see but it's the banana junior 6000 there's a wrong about banana 2000 so send your angry letters to ask mtjc care of the twitter box all right that's cool so i guess that's it for another week hey guys so hi man if you want to get in touch with you where would they look i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair and mark where people get in touch with you mark r at smapsoft.com all right my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine and what else did i say it was on oh on, on ps network um yeah so until next week we'll say bye-bye bye if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Speaking of next week, I mean, you can't do next week? No, no. That's two weeks. Two weeks. I was looking at the the time difference, and I will almost certainly be in the middle of the conference for um, for Code Mobile. Oh, you're going to do another talk? Yep. Going there, uh, arriving March 31st and leaving April 5th. Hmm. Yeah. And my talk isn't until, like, morning on Thursday, so I'll probably be stressing over the, you know, preparing for the talk. So where, this is in UK? Yes. This is uh, in uh, Chester, University of Chester, close to the Manchester area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, yeah. That's right. 
near Manchester, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. As we talked about. And Mark, you're not here on the 10th, right? 10th, right. Yeah, what's up on the 10th? Going to see the Kansas, the band, Kansas. Oh, Kansas, the band. Well, you know, it turns out that um, um, uh, Terry Gilliam's movie, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, I think is the name of it, is finally coming out um, for, for release. And it's only playing like one night only in most places, most cities around North America, whatever. It's playing on, on April 10th in Toronto. There you go. But I but I've got to record uh, Roundabout with Tammy. I'm hoping. So if that happens, are we doing a, a clip show on the 10th? <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, I we've mean, not, like, we've not done a one man show here. No. Well, yeah. Oh, you're feeling the pressure, are you, honey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying, look, I'll, I'll be back in time for the, our show because because the, 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 it's showing at 7, 8, 7 p.m., right? And it's pretty close to where I am. So. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, no stress. Because otherwise, it'd be like, all right, we've been doing this podcast for nearly five years. I'm going to make some topics up and then just present what I think everybody's <laughs> argument would have been. And then bonus points, here's what I think Tammy and Greg would have said too. Yeah, and Tim would have, said, would have pronounced it this way in a whole bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing up a storm here again today. It's the season. Um, here, uh, we had a pretty crazy warm front come in. So suddenly... Or maybe it's the well, snow mold that I've been hearing about. What's that? Snow mold I've been hearing about. Have you heard about that? I have not. What we're dealing with here are all of the plants deciding that it is now spring, so they're pollinating oh, everywhere. okay. Right. And so allergies are going crazy. The the huge dust storm of pollen. Really? Wow, people. that's early. Um, yeah. It, and we're going to return back to sort of normal by the end of the week. So it's just this weird warm front that, that came in right at the tail end, the, the literal last day of winter leading into the first day of spring. But mm. you're dealing with, with mold in the snow tell me more about this mold snow, well, apparently, snow yeah, mold. apparently the it's just a it's below the snow like when because you know, we have like we still have like mountains of snow here like on people's lawns and stuff right um like people had four four or five foot mounds of snow on their on their front lawn right just above the grass there's like a, a layer of mold that grows on the grass and it, it looks like sort of dried dead grass and uh yeah it's, it's really bad for people who have asthma and stuff like that you know because it just gets into the air i thought that like i thought it had to be wet or mold is it not frozen uh well no i guess it's, it's insulated you can actually stay warm if you if you bury yourself in snow like you can your body heat will will create like a, it creates like a cocoon it insulates you right so whatever uh, whatever warmth there is little little about there is will um will be insulated by the snow right so snow and ice that's how igloos work basically yeah yeah I, I just didn't realize it would work in such a way that mold like i don't think of cold weather as being where mold happens like they think of yeah. wet warm. i think it's wherever you know, I'm, I'm mold is kind of a, it's like one of those ancient uh, organisms on Earth, right? So um, I think that, uh, you know, it potentially could be any kind of variation, right? You know, it sur- survived longer than the rest of us, right? <laughs> and what happens, though, is when, when the snow um, melts, you know, um, potentially that the, the spores become airborne and attack people. Attack of the killer, killers. There's probably snow mold is what's going to start the zombie apocalypse, right? Wow. And I thought Australia was the place that held these weird dangers. You That's know, true. The drop yeah, yeah, bears right. and I thought so too. Poisonous frogs and venomous kangaroos yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Well, the cane toads, for instance, were brought in by Europeans, right? They have no no predator in Australia. That's why they're rampant. I saw a document. I think I told you guys once. I saw a documentary where you see this car driving along a highway, like off in the distance towards you, and it's swerving all over the road. And as it gets closer and closer to you, you realize it's actually swerving to run over the cane toads because <laughs> <laughs> they have no predators, right? Yep. Wow. Wow. I have decided that WWDC is more for the out-of-towners. Oh, I see, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, last year, 
I mean, it was good and all to be in the talks, but yeah. but I find that you know I I can get as much out of it out of the talks from watching the videos, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and since I'm local and I was just going home at the end, you know, I wasn't really getting all the networking that you might get if you're in yeah. out of town and staying at a hotel and meeting up with people. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I kind of decided wasn't going to do it this year. Yeah, I might regret it, but. Yeah, Man Who Killed Don Quixote is being shown near me. It's being shown here, too. No way. It is. It's being shown around the corner from my office. Wow, there's lots of seats available. Nobody's, nobody's bought their advance tickets yet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see this movie. I guess I'm the only person in the world, right? At least you have a lot of space. Hmm? You'll yeah. have a lot of personal space. Yeah, I can grab, I can grab the center center of the, the entire theater. Wow, it's amazing. But do you know the story behind, behind the making of this movie, Jaime? I do not. He's been working on it for 20 years, right? So he, like, it was, he's such a such a perfectionist that there was a movie about him making Don Quixote because it was such a disaster. You know the story behind me, Mark, right? Nope. About Terry Gilliam making Don Quixote? No, I don't. Yeah, no, he was working on it a while ago and it was such a disaster. They you know, spent all this money making it and somebody, like, it was like the, the you know, the what's the one about the apocalypse now where they followed the guy around and followed the director and all that kind of stuff and all the crazy antics that went on and yeah, there's a whole documentary on this on this movie. So, so the fact that the movie's now come out for people who are fans of Terry Gilliam. This is like, oh my God, it's finally here, you know? We have to make a pilgrimage and go see it <laughs> just for the sake of seeing it, right? It'll be on my watch list tomorrow. Or it should be on When my you list. say making, like, what part of it has he been doing for the last, like, has he been filming for the last? Yeah, he filmed, 20? he had actors Filming, so not just up. pre-production he, hell or, any, yeah, or rewrites yeah. or anything. Yeah, He's like just, actually been filming this whole time. Yeah, it was just, wow. it was just sort of like a whole, like, mess of things, right? Let's see if I can so it's going to be like, 35 millimeter film and then switch to like IMAX mode yeah. for like part of it. Yeah. And 3D for another segment. So here, here's, here's a story from, uh, from this magazine. It says the man who almost killed by Don Quixote. Yeah. Oh, 30 years. Terry Gilliam on the movie that took him 30 years to make. Wow. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the man, the man of La Mancha, Lost in La Mancha was, was the name of the documentary they made about him making this movie. I think it's, I think, Lost in La Mancha. I'm pretty sure it was on Netflix, which was the uh, which is the story about him making this. So this is going into the show notes for tomorrow for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice we can just move content around yeah. seamlessly. It's good thing we have two yeah. podcasts. Kind of handy. You know, I haven't listened to the roundabout episode yet with John Sundell. How did how did that go? Pretty good. What was pretty that good. experience like? Yeah? yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Did you listen to the one with uh, um, the other guy, Alan? Sean I have Alan? not. I think the next one in the queue is the live at three hundred and sixty. I dev. Oh, really? Oh, you're yeah. Right yeah I'm like, like way behind on podcasts. Yeah, she always wasn't going to publish that one, but I, I had I had I recorded it at the at the conference. So I recorded it off the board, so I knew it was going to be relatively good quality. And mm-hmm. then because um, uh, I brought all my stuff with me. But but they had proper mics and they had a proper board there, right? So that's why we were able to record as well as we did. And then um, I edited it and sent it over to her. Said, okay, here you just need to put your you know beginning music on and your end music on and decide what you want to chop. And you know, so that's why it took so long to get out the door. What are you going to do, eh? Perfectionists. Well, I guess it's it's timed because the I just got an email from 360 that they put up some videos on YouTube from oh, yeah. August, I think. Yeah, so not terrible timing considering that people are thinking mm-hmm. about it based on those emails. Hmm. Hmm. Did you ever find this Carmen San Diego game that we could play? Yeah, I played it while we were doing the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and I finished it. Actually, it was it was very fast. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay, it just one one uh, one adventure. Yeah, went to like three so or that, four cities, and then it was done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I tried it out briefly before the show, but I was, you know, just given my my weird connectivity issues, I was, like, afraid to do it during the show. (laughs) So I tried my best to remember what it looked like in case he asked any questions. Yeah. Starts in London. I will talk uh, to you later. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Yeah.